You guys sound great this morning. Title of the message this morning is A Living Faith. Go on and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it gives us the actual definition of faith. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, we get our definition here of faith, and you know, pretty much what it's telling us is that faith allows you to remain certain through uncertainty. You know, uh, I love animals. I love, uh, I love you know, I have a, an amazing pet. Uh, his name is Winston. We just got Winston. Uh, he's a uh, Malshipu, which is a Maltese, Shih Tzu, and Poodle mixed. He's got a little bit of attitude. Um, if you get, to, you know, a lot of the campus, they, they love Winston, and... Um, you know, I'm just so excited to have a pet in the house. I love reading about pets. I love watching, like, the, the nature shows. Um, you know, one of the things I'm re- I always like watching are, like, uh, about, like, predators. I don't know why, but I like, you know, lions and snakes and alligators. Like, I just, I just like those things. I don't know what it is. All the African predators, I just think they're really cool. And, uh, you know, I have to make sure that I tell my wife I'm going to be watching this so she doesn't come home because sometimes it's a little graphic. But, um, you know, one of the animals that I was learning about was, uh, it's called an, the African impala. Now, the African impala, it's a pretty cool animal. It's, it's not a predator. It's the prey. But um, the African impala has, is an extremely athletic animal. If it was on your track team, it would, it would win the entire track meet for you. Uh, it can run really fast. It can jump really high. The African impala can actually jump 10 feet high which is like the, the height of the goal, uh, uh, you know, uh, basketball goal. And in that same jump, jump 30 feet long. One jump. 10 feet high, 30 feet long. I mean, he would win every single event at your track meet. You know, but one of the interesting things about the African, African Impala is at the zoo, they don't need this huge wall to keep him enclosed at the zoo. All they need is a wall tall enough to where he can't see over it, about a three-foot wall. That's all they need. Because the impala will not jump if it can't see where its feet are going to land. It won't make the leap. So the impala has these amazing abilities, but it will not jump unless it can see where its feet are going to land. You know, faith for us is the ability to trust what you can't see. You know, we're going to finish reading up this, uh, you know, quite a bit here in Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. Before we do, I'd like to pray. God, it's so great to be here. And Lord, I pray that, uh, you know, as we look in your word today, Lord, I pray that, first of all, God, that it's your words, not mine, that come out. Lord, I pray that our hearts can be softened, softened and molded to, obedient, to be obedient to your word. And Lord, I thank you so much for your words. I thank you for the examples you're here in the Bible that we can learn from. It's in your sons' name I pray. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2 says, This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. 
By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You know, and the, the, the writer of Hebrews, he keeps on going. He talks more about Abraham. He talks about Moses. He talks about Isaac. He talks about Joseph. You know, he talks about the, the, the Israelites and, and going through the Red Sea and how it took faith for them to go through the Red Sea. He talks about the walls of Jericho and how the walls of Jericho fell because of faith. You know, if you remember this story, the battle plans to take the walls of Jericho down were pretty bad battle plans. They were like, hey, we're going to march around the city once a day for seven days in a row. And on the seventh day, we're going to march around it seven times. And hey, guys, leave your weapons at home. Leave your spears at home. Because all we're going to do is on the, at the end of the seventh time, we're going to blow our trumpets. And we're going to yell at the top of our lungs. And the walls are going to fall down. Amen, bro. I'm with you on that one. No, like the walls didn't come down because they marched around it a bunch of times because they yelled. It came down because they had faith. The Bible says, you know, in verse 32, I love this right here in chapter 11. He says, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And get this, the world was not worthy of them. You know, we hear all these amazing examples of faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. But I think this morning we have to realize that faith is more than just a feeling. I mean, look at the examples of these men and what, what, what we call here, we call it the great roll call of faith. It's like the hall of fame of faith. It's like you got Abel offered a better sacrifice. Enoch, he pleased God and he didn't even face death by faith. By faith, Noah built a boat. By faith, Abraham He obeyed and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. You know, their faith caused them to do something. Their faith, it stirred their insides. It made them stand out. Their faith was edgy. For some of them, their faith meant death. But I can tell you one thing that they all had in common. Their faith was absolutely alive. 
And I want to ask you this morning, is your faith dead or is your faith alive? You know, is it, is it tired? Is it stale? Or maybe, maybe your faith is on the right track and you are just itching to do something amazing because of your faith. Maybe your faith was alive at some point and it's, you know, it's flatlining right now. And you need to pick me up. You need, you need to be jump-started. You know, for myself, I've felt just a whole gambit of emotions when it comes to my faith. I've been high and I've been low, you know, and I've, and I've felt like stale. There's times I'm just like, I, I know the good things I should do. I just don't want to do the things that, you know, I just don't want to. You know, I, I want to ask the question, is your faith dead or alive? You know, in a room this size, uh, we are going to have some on both sides. You know, and some of us, um, everybody's faith is going to be at a different level this morning. You know, how do you know where it is? How is our faith measured? How do you know if it's actually dead or alive? We're going to spend the rest of our time in James chapter 2. And i got to be honest with you guys, I am scared to preach on this chapter. It is by faith that I'm doing it. That's, that's for sure. You'll see why. Because the words of this chapter are so tough. They are so tough. Okay, so we're going to pick up just James chapter 2, verse 14. Just remember that it's the word of God. It's not Aaron that told you this. So if your feelings are hurt, you know, get mad at God. It says... What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I mean, wow. You know, this is James, the brother of Jesus, writing this. Actually, the half-brother of Jesus. And he confronts our faith dead on. And I think for us, we have to realize, first of all, one of the, what's he not saying? He's not telling us, he's not putting faith on one side and works on the other side. He's not comparing faith and works. You know, excuse me, sorry. What he is doing is he put, he's putting a living faith on one side. And a dead faith on the other. And a lot of times you'll hear it said that you're either about your faith or you're about your deeds. You know, the Bible doesn't put the two in competition, ever. It doesn't put the two at odds with each other. Rather, it explains that a living faith has action attached to it. And a dead faith has no action so, in other words, your actions reveal where your faith is at. 
You know, he says, what good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And then he asks the question, can such faith save him? He tells us that that belief alone is not good enough. And you're like, but but what if somebody really believes, like with all of their heart? You know, what if somebody is crying out to God and telling God, God, I believe in you. What if they, you know, they, they just, and they remember that moment that they believed in God, that they said, yep, I believe God is the one. I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life. What if they believe that and, and, and they sincerely meant it in their heart? What if someone says, yes, I am a Christian? What if someone says, yeah, I do believe in the Bible. I do believe who Jesus is. But there's no actions to show for it. There's no life or there's no heart change to say there's no life or heart change to go behind it. Are they still saved? He was asking a rhetorical question. The answer is no. I know it's challenging. But this is what the Bible teaches. A living faith is what saves us. You know, he talks about suppose someone, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or without food and they come to you and you just say, go and wish you well, I wish you well, that you give them the spiritual stiff arm, you know what I mean? Or the Heisman, as some of us like to call it. You know, we got football, so we have to make a football reference in there. You know, but have you ever done that? Someone comes to you and they need something and you're like, oh, no. But you know what? You know who can meet your need? This other person maybe can. You know, my neighbor has a lot of clothes they could give you. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I'd love to. I really would. I really would love to, but I can't help you. I ain't got the time. You know, good intentions, the Bible teaches, they're, they're not good enough. You know, it needs to be good intentions backed by the action. You know, I think sometimes, just as Christians, we can pat ourselves because of that feeling, because of a conviction, because of a good intention, because of a feeling that we get in our hearts. And guys, convictions don't put the food on on the table. Emotions don't put food on the table. It starts there, but then you need to back it up with some actions. You know, it's your good intentions that lead you to do these things. It's your faith being put to work. So I think, you know, we have to get away from this as a society. We have to get away from as long as you feel it, that's enough. You know, the Bible calls us to put things into action. Literally, action, do something. Words and feelings, they only serve you. Actions serve others. You know, in verse 19, he says the demons believe. And they shudder. You know, that's a convicting scripture. When I read that, one of the things that I thought about was, like, when is the last time I thought about God and shuddered? I mean, when is the last time I thought about God and I was just shaken up? You know, I think about in um, Mark chapter 5. You guys don't have to turn there. But in Mark chapter 5, a demon actually comes in touch with Jesus. It knows that Jesus is coming in verse 2. It says, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him, 
anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell, fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you will not torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion. He replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. You know, the demons believe. They have belief. But I would not consider them in good shape spiritually. I don't know about you, but I would not consider them in good shape spiritually. But they have the belief. They, you know, this demon, he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He understood the power that Jesus had. He understood the power of God. He knew that he could torture him if he wanted to. He knew that he could just wipe him out if he wanted to. The demon's problem is not their belief. They probably believe more than we do because they've seen more. Their theology is on straight. The demons still have a dead faith because they don't act according to the word of God. You know, just to think about a dead faith, I mean, you know, I was thinking of like a good analogy. It's like headache. You know, it's like if you have a headache. Anybody ever get headaches? Ever had a headache? Yeah, that's most of you. It's the kind of a dead faith would lead somebody to take the headache medicine from their medicine cabinet. They look at the instructions on it and they'd be like, you know, I believe that these instructions are going to, if I follow these instructions, it will get rid of my headache. I believe what it wrote on here. I believe the warnings are correct. And I know, the, even I even know about these directions. I believe everything about it. And I know that if I take it, I, it will relieve my headache. And then they put it back on the shelf. <laughs> that's ridiculous, right? You know, that's what dead faith looks like. Because they can believe, you can believe all that stuff all you want, but not until you actually do something does it actually work. You know, for us, we need a faith that is alive. Like in Hebrews 11, verse 2, he says, this is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended because they had a faith that was alive. They did something with their faith. And I love in James, we're back in James chapter 2, they, uh, where James says, someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. He's saying, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove my faith to you by my actions. You know, that means someone should be able to look at my actions and tell that I have faith. I mean, is that true of you? Like if someone didn't hear that you were a Christian, if they didn't hear that you said that you were a Christian, if they didn't see the not of this world sticker or the Jesus fish on the back of your car, if they didn't see you wearing a Christian t-shirt or holding a Bible, would they just be able to look at you and your actions and say, wow, there's something different about that person? Because that's what a living faith really looks like. You know, but what actions are we talking about? I mean, you could be like, well, Aaron, yeah, I'm a nice person. 
Guys, I know plenty of nice people out there that aren't Christians, but they're really nice. You know, I don't know if, if nice is the action we're looking for. You're like, but, but hey, I give. I give money. I, I donate. You know, and that's a really good thing. But, you know, like Oprah, Brad Pitt, they donate a lot of money. They're known for their giving. Now, I don't know where their faith is, but there's a lot of people that give. You know, D-Run talked about the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. I think they raised $100 million since, they, since the thing started. It was some crazy number compared to like $7 million the year before, I think it was. Um, there's a lot of people that give. And giving is a great thing, but does it necessarily really 100% show your faith? But you're like, what if I love people? You know, are we saying that, well, people outside these walls, people that aren't Christians can't love? You know, it doesn't take faith to love people. You know, there's kind people, there's nice people, there's people that like to give out there. there there's people that love, and they're not Christians. But you know, one thing that's not done out there is loving your enemies. You know, Jesus said to love our enemies. He said to do good to those who hate you. Now, nobody in the world does that. Except for the Christians. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So love other people the same way that you love yourself. Even when he talked about that, he, this, the illustration that he gave was the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan. And how that Samaritan went above and beyond this man in need. Um, went above and beyond meeting the needs of this man. You know, let's, I feel like for us, we, we can't kid ourselves. Everyone loves people that love them back. It's when we love our enemies. It's when we love the poor more than we love ourselves. It's when we actually give to a point that it requires God. That we, have to, that we have to have faith in God to meet our needs. It's when you give up something. Maybe it's something that feels good. You know, I think for myself, becoming a Christian, one of the biggest faith moves I had to do was give up just some of the sins in my life. I didn't want to give up an impure relationship and I did not want to give up drinking. You know, because let's be honest, sin can be fun sometimes. Now, there are people out there that will give it up for themselves, maybe because of health reasons or something like that. But rarely will you see somebody give something up for God. That takes faith. That takes a lot of faith. You know, the world doesn't do that. You know, it's when you work the hardest at your job when other people are being lazy. That takes faith. Or when you're in class and everybody just has a bad attitude, but you say, I'm going to have the best attitude. You know, a living faith has to stand out in the world. It has to be different than what's in the world. A living faith, it responds to the word of God no matter how you feel about it. It has the humility to read the Bible and let the Bible actually change you. That's what a living faith does. You know, when you're reading the Bible, you don't have to have all the right answers. 
Because it wouldn't be faith if you did. A living faith responds because you know God has all the right answers. And see, that's what James is talking about. He's talking about, you know, if you're going to have, you know, you could say, I've got deeds and I've got faith. He's like, I will show you my, my faith by what I do. It is absolutely noticeable. You know, just wanted to uh, share with you guys, this past Friday night, we had a barbecue, uh, back-to-school barbecue with our college students. And it was an amazing time. I don't know how many students we had there. It was about 65 or 70 college students. We went through a lot of food. We had college food, burgers and hot dogs. But it looked really good, you know, thankful to my wife and, you know, the team of women that she had, like, setting it up and making it look really nice. And we just ate. We had a lot of fun. We played some sports. And, you know, we're wrapping up at the end of the night, and there's, there's this group there. There was this other group, and they were just sitting there. I'm not quite sure what they were doing, but they were just kind of hanging out. And one of the ladies, she came up to me, and she said, is this a church group? That's all she said. She said, is this a church group? And I looked at her, and I'm like, um, yeah, why do you ask? And she said, there's just something different about that group there. She's like, and I see, I live right here. I see a lot of groups come to the park all the time. You know, big groups, they come to the park all the time. I've even seen other, some other church groups come to the park. And I, but I've never seen something like this, where you have different nationalities, you know, men, women, tall, short, and, and you guys are eating, you're having fun, you're playing sports. She's like, I didn't hear one cuss word. I didn't hear, I don't see anybody drinking alcohol. Everybody's having fun. They're laughing. She's like, there's just something different about your group. And I was like... Amen. Thank you. Thanks for the illustration. You know, a living faith, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. My question is, will you have the humility to ask somebody that knows you really well? If they can, if they just said, hey, if you just ask them, hey, forget that I'm a Christian. Forget that you know my background. Can you tell just by what I do? Does my living faith, does my life preach a sermon in and of itself? You know, James, he goes on. We're going to finish up in chapter 20 or chapter 2, verse 20. He says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and, and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You know, he, he brings the example of Abraham back to us. He says, you know, do you remember this story and what it says? You know, James is talking to a mostly Jewish audience. They really looked up to Abraham. They called him the father of faith. So I love that he used this example. But for us, do you, do you guys remember on the mountain, when, when Jacob, or excuse me, when Abraham is walking up the mountain and he is ready to sacrifice his son, he has the knife in his hands. And it's about to come down and an angel stops him. And in Genesis 22, the angel says, 
Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything for him. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. He said, now I know because of what you did. Is your faith known to God? And is it known to others? You might say, well, Aaron, that's Abraham. He is the father of faith. I mean, God did so many good things for that guy. Um, no, there's, there's no wonder why he had such amazing faith, which is why I think we get Rahab as an example also, the prostitute. And you remember what happened to, to Rahab. She wasn't even the, an Israelite. She wasn't really a part of the chosen people. Rahab, her situation, some of the Israelites were sent to her town to kind of to, to check out and to survey the, to survey the town. And Rahab allowed them to stay at her house. And she hid them at her house. And so when the authorities who were looking for the spies came by and talked to Rahab, she said they went that way. She lied and told them they went that way. And then she sent the spies back home a different way. But do you understand that what she was doing there? She was committing treason to her own country. She was risking being called a traitor, being punished as a traitor. She probably would have been put to death. Because of what she did, had they known what she did. But she said, out of this faith, out of faith in this God of Israel, out of faith in your God, I'm going to help you. And then she was commended for it. You know, her faith was a living faith, it was the real deal. The Bible says that it was a saving faith. And in verse 26, it says, as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It says, faith without deeds is dead. It's just a body without the spirit. I mean, it's like, what do we call that? I mean, it's, it's a corpse. You know, guys, our faith needs to have action behind it. That's what a living faith is. And my prayer is that we look at our faith. And we don't just say that it's alive. We show that it's alive because we know that that's what will please God. You know, I think uh, that we could actually have our own hall of fame of faith here in Santa Clarita. So I wrote one actually for you guys. It said, by faith, the people of this church stood their ground amidst all the temptation around them and decided to follow Jesus. By faith, the teens said no to worldly pleasures, and they became true disciples, as did the campus, as did the singles, and as did the marrieds. By faith, they all persevered through difficult persecutions outside the church and difficult disagreements within the church. By faith, they gave millions of dollars to support mission work, both foreign and domestic. By faith, they reached out and they brought thousands of lost souls to salvation through faith in Christ. By faith, they forgave those who sinned against them because by faith they held on to the cross. And by faith, they still stand devoted. They still stand determined to see the church built, to see Jesus worshiped, and to see God glorified and the entire Santa Clarita Valley evangelized in their generation. You know, let's be a church that lives by faith. 
Let's have a living faith. And if you're sitting right, if you're sitting here right now and you're like, man, my faith is dead. I want to challenge you to go after reigniting your faith. What's it going to take? Just start doing something and start following what the Bible teaches. Let's live the next chapter of our lives by faith accompanied by actions. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close in one final song.